Well, good morning, uh, everyone uh, who's going to be joining us on the podcast today. This is uh, I'm Ronnie Morris, the district superintendent, and I want to welcome Pastor John Kilpatrick to the Arkansas District Assemblies of God inaugural pastor pa- podcast. Uh, Pastor John uh, is no stranger to most of us. He led a historic revival in the mid-90s in Pensacola, Florida, where literally nations of the world were touched by the power of God. Um, I know I experienced that as well. In fact, took uh, a group from Arkansas down to the, to the revival. Uh, Pastor John is now in Mobile, Alabama, pastoring uh, the church he founded called the Church of His Presence, and I I love that. Um, it is a revival center that reaches the world through online streaming um, and podcast. And so, Pastor, I just want to thank you for sharing with us uh, some of your valuable time today. And and uh, I, I want you to know that I, I take the time to listen to uh, to you on uh, your uh, archive sermons. Mm. Uh, really, lately, I listened to uh, the series "Help Is on the Way," mm-hmm. and and um, you you seem to always be on point to me. And your um, and whatever the Lord is saying, and you do it with prophetic voice. Uh, let me just uh, just ask you a few things here. Um, uh, like I said, you, you seem to be always on point. Uh, you, you speak with prophetic voice. Uh, how do you how do you prepare yourself for that? <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor. It's good to be with you today. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you know, <clears throat> um, I'll, can I tell you a little story real quick? Please, you, you're at liberty. I was pastoring my second church, and I my first church. I was there two years in Georgia. I'm from Georgia. And so I was pastoring my second church. It was a, a large church, a large Assembly of God church. I was only 22 years old. And um, so these people were from around the world. There were a lot of civil servants there. It was an Air Force town, one of Robbins, Georgia. But I had some really quality, high-quality people in my church, you know, and they were godly people, and I, I really enjoyed pastoring there. I was there six years. But right after I got there, uh, I come to know the congregation, you know, so I looked around several Sundays, and I missed one lady, and her name was Doris. And I, I called her up, and I said, Doris, this is Brother Kilpatrick. I said, man, listen, I've, I've been missing you. I said, uh, are you okay? And she said, yeah, Brother Kilpatrick, I am. She said, um, you know, I hate to say this, but she said, you're you're a good preacher, and I, and I love you. You're a good pastor, but I, I just, I've been visiting around. I've, I've just got to get my soul fed. Well, when she said that, it it sort of set me back on my heels a little bit, you know, because uh, the the evaluation that I had of myself was I thought I was doing a pretty good job, you know. So after I got off the t- phone with her, it sort of miffed me a little bit, you know. It set me back. And so I went to the Lord, and uh, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I, I thought I was doing a pretty good job. And I said, I don't know. I don't really understand what she means by I got to. I need to go somewhere to get my soul fed. So I was sort of like an evangelistic preacher in in those days. I, you know, I was sort of like you know, I'd preach and just preach the stars down. Felt real good about it, you know. But 
uh, I went before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I don't really understand what she means. And, and I heard the Lord say to me immediately, he said, I'll teach you. So I began to listen to myself somewhat, and I began to realize that I was I was really preaching some some stuff, you know, and it was emotional. It was pretty powerful, but it's the type of stuff you would forget by the time you got to the parking lot. You know, you you probably would have said something like, "Well, that was that was a good message," you know, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a message that was really relevant. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit said, "I'll show you. I'll teach you." So I, I just got down on the floor in my office, I remember, and I knelt down and I said, well, Lord, help me to hear what she was saying, because I'm a little bit offended and I'm a little bit hurt by it. And I said, I, I need to hear from you. And would you just teach me? And you know what? Holy Spirit took me and he began to teach me what she was talking about, about being fed. <clears throat> and I went from actually being a preacher, preacher, to being a feeder. Mm. And so whenever I begin to do that, not a teacher now, but a feeder, I'm more of a teacher preacher, I guess you would say. So whenever I begin to study, I begin to study from a different mindset. I wasn't trying to get a really good sermon as much as I was trying to come across things that the Holy Spirit could really magnify in my mind that would help people. And that's the way, I, you know, it started out negative. It started out as a hurtful thing. It started out as a criticism. But the Lord was able to take it, and I, I received it, and he was able to take it and turn it in my life to where I became a feeder. Well, you know, when I first started, I started in a, a, a church near the Delta in, in DeWitt, Arkansas, and I, I barely preached one time a year before going to preaching three times a year (laughs) after (laughs) and after every sermon i would have these people say you know one of these days brother ronnie you're going to be a good preacher (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that 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 really is interesting uh, that that you um so you you believe that your delivery evolved then uh, after that moment yeah it did in um I talked to my wife. My wife is a real good springboard. You know, she's a good, she feeds, feeds me, feed, gives me good feedback. And so after, as I began to talk to her, she wouldn't criticize me, you know, and, and do any kind of damage to me like that. But she would say, you know what? I think Doris, I think she's got a point there because I think that, you know, my pastor was my men. He was my mentor and my spiritual father. Mm-hmm. And I was with him, spent a lot of time with him. But uh, one of the things he trained me up, Uh, to do as a young preacher. I was just a teenager and I was with him every night for years, you know, just every night. And one of the things he trained me up is he said, son, don't ever get up when you're a preacher, when you become a preacher, don't ever get up and try to answer things. Nobody's asking. Mm. He said, don't try to answer questions. Nobody's asking. He said, because you you won't be able to keep people. He said, "Um, what you want to do is you got to deal with what's on people's minds and what they're going through and what's, what's happening. And you got to address it and you got to address it with information. You know, um, I heard a saying one time, it said inspiration without information leads to frustration. Oh, that's good. And a lot of times, um, people have inspiration, but they don't have the information to back it up. And it frustrates people. And I think a lot of times people can actually leave church frustrated because the spirit of the Lord was there and God was moving and the word was read, 
but there wasn't a lot of information to back it up. Hmm. And so uh, he just said, don't, don't try to answer questions nobody's asking. I never forgot that. And he yeah. told me that he told me that probably over a period of time, scores of times, you know. And so it got in my mind. And so even in today's world, you know, with everything that's going on, I think that it's really incumbent on the minister to deal with things and to not just deal with it and talk about it and, and give a, a rehash of what the news is talking about. But to get in the Word and let the Holy Spirit give information that will help people and, and answer some of the questions they're going through because they're not going to hear it on Fox. They're not going to hear it on mm-hmm. CNN. And they're not going to read it in a magazine somewhere. They're going to, if they don't hear it behind the pulpit, their questions are not going to be answered. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, and that's, that's what I uh, really uh, appreciate about you. Uh, because it seems like each each time I have listened, uh, you seem to be on point uh, e- every week, and that that leads me to this, because I, I do th- believe that you, you speak with a prophetic voice. Um, do, do you see yourself at times as you're you're preaching? You know, and you've got obviously. Uh, notes, uh, manuscript, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, going off script, and how how does that how does that work? Yeah, I make notes for sure. <clears throat> I make I make thorough notes because uh, I put I keep them in my iPad, and uh, I keep all the scriptures in there totally typed out, you know, and all my points and everything. I, I keep them all so that I can have them. I don't collect paper notes anymore. I used to. I, I tell you what, I would do, uh, Pastor. I would. Um, for years, I'd write my sermons down on a yellow legal pad, you know, mm-hmm. and it'd be eight, 10, 12 pages, whatever. And then I'd, after I'd preach them, I'd fold them and put them away and, and file them. But I would make myself go in every two to three years into my files, and I would I would empty my files and get rid of, uh, get rid of them totally because I wouldn't let myself develop a crutch, a mm-hmm. mental crutch where I would go back and be tempted to preach what I've already preached. I'd make myself keep digging, make myself keep digging because it, it would really be easy to rely on something I've already preached, you know, something I've already dealt with and just reach in there and grab it, you know, and, and rehash it a little bit, put some salt and pepper on it and try to serve it up, you know? <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah. So I got rid of the, all my sermon notes and I bring a garbage can from outside the house inside my office and throw them all away. And start from scratch. So I did that for years. And so now I'll, I'll keep my messages in my iPad. And I do preach from my message uh, from my iPad. You know, I'll do that because I have them there. But um, it's real easy to go off script because whenever I go off script, I feel that it's still in context with what my notes are. And I know exactly how to, you know, get back on the own ramp and continue the message, but it's those spontaneous times that you're preaching that the Holy Spirit gives you something that you do become sort of prophetic. Mm. And it wasn't part of your message. If it was part of your message, you wouldn't feel as prophetic. But, you know, it's sort of a fine line that you have to be really careful when you feel like something's coming like that and it's prophetic. you got to have the ability in your mind to check it out before your lips move because Pastor always told me too. He said, son, once you say it, you own it. Mm-hmm. He said, you're going to have to be careful what you say when you become a minister one day, because you're going to own it. 
And if it wasn't right, you're going to know about it, and you'll you'll keep knowing about it. Mm -hmm. So I've always tried to keep that in my mind that once you say it, you own it. So I try not to say anything that I can't back up, you know, with scripture and doctrine. Oh man, I'm really glad you uh, you shared that. That's uh, you know, I think there's two things there. One is um, we get we get so tied into a manuscript or notes that mm-hmm. we we don't we don't listen uh, that there may be something that we need to address. And then the other side of that is to make sure that you don't just you know, don't check it uh, mm-hmm. because there's so many things going through your mind, even as you're preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's interesting too, to me that you do have a, a large audience outside of mm-hmm. the church there. I mean, I don't know how many uh, that, I don't know if you check those numbers or, or whatever. Yeah, there's thousands of people. There's <clears throat> far more people that I'm preaching to live streaming than there are in-house. And we, we have a real good crowd in-house, you know, but there's far more people watching live streaming every week. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, people go to the archives, and we have a good hit on the archives too. But, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, I try not to have to do a lot of cleanup. So whenever I'm preaching, I don't want to have to go back and do cleanup, you know. And yeah. uh, I have some real good people here in my media department that can do that for me. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the live streaming audience hears it live. So I just always try to be really careful what I say. Sometimes I'm good at it, and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know how it goes as a preacher. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you. Um, I, I said as a, as a pastor for nearly 16 years at the same church, I could say basically what I wanted to say. I popped mm-hmm. off more than yeah. I should have. Yeah. And, uh, but here in this office and preaching at different churches every weekend, mm-hmm. I realized the importance and the weight of my words. Mm-hmm. And so I don't pop off. Well, I have high respect, great respect for our district superintendent. I've known quite a number of them personally. And I'll tell you to be in that position God has to put you in that position and God has to give you the wisdom to hold it because that's, that's really a, a high, I think it's a high honor myself and, and uh, yes, God, God really uses district superintendents in ways that the average layman will never know about. Yeah. Hey, you know, there is a different feel. Um, yesterday, one of our district superintendents talked about an apostolic anointing and I, I mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't just throw things out like that but there there is a different anointing in mm-hmm. this in this seat and and wisdom beyond what a normal human being can do and um but uh, you know god has been faithful and and you're right uh you know we we, we all have our giftings and when god shifts us he he makes sure that we have that anointing um for that moment you know i, I want to just so when you know you're preaching to a larger audience, so this may be a twofold thing, but you preach to a larger audience than just the local church. How one, how do you manage both in preaching and, um, you know, particularly, um, you know, knowing that uh, that you have a word for for both or is it just the same? Mm 
Um, one of the things that pastor always tried to train me up is he said, whenever you get up behind the pulpit, what you want to do is you want to be able to make the gospel relevant to people that's just been saved six weeks and people that's been saved 60 years and they all got to get something out of it. And he said, you have to avail yourself for God to give you the wisdom to make that happen. <clears throat> so whenever you're preaching to a larger audience, you know, people out there that you can't see, uh, that's in your audience that's live streaming and, and archives and all, you, you preach to them basically the same. If, you're, if your subject is relevant, mm -hmm. you know that whatever you're dealing with is going to touch everybody because everybody's going through it. So whether it's COVID mm. or whether it's what's going on, you know, in, in the great falling away that's happening within the body of Christ, you know, you know that whenever you're dealing with it, it's going to touch people if they're rich or they're poor, if they're if they're educated or uneducated, or if they're religious and have a degree or they're not religious. It's going to touch them all. Mm -hmm. But we got to make it uh, relevant to the point that everybody can understand it. And that's why I say that there's no place behind the pulpit for political correctness because people sick of that. Oh, they're, yeah. they're sick of the cushions trying to cushion everything and, um, you know, put shock absorbers on the sermons. Take the shock absorbers off. Just preach the word. Paul said, preach the word. Mm. And you just got to take the shock absorbers off, let the word do its work. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that people have to come into conviction of the Holy Spirit before they ever change. A sermon by itself is not going to change people. The, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit has to send conviction on what they hear to bring about the change. And only God can bring about change in people. Not, preachers can't do it, and neither can their sermons. Right. Uh, you, you, you've talked about your pastor. Um, and, uh, you know, I, too, had uh, a very godly man, and he wasn't a, he wasn't, uh, a great delivery of the word what he said was great but mm -hmm. uh, he was um he, he stuttered and it was very most of the time very simplistic mm -hmm. is did, did your pastor influence you uh sermon wise or somebody yeah. else somebody else influenced you he did he was um he was a german he was a he was an humble man very humble he's from st louis originally and um he got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and healed all in the same night in a brush harbor mm. many years ago. And uh, that was over in Alton, Illinois. And um, he, he had polio. He, was, he was, had polio when he was real young, and so he walked on crutches, the kind that wrapped around your arms. <clears throat> so the night that he came in that brush harbor and got saved, the Lord saved him and, and, and filled him with the baptism and then healed him. And he was always... He got rid of his crutches, could walk, but he always walked with a limp. He had a limp. So he had a powerful experience with God, you know, at his conversion. But he was he had a brilliant mind. He was a German. He was not uh, a brilliant, you, you know, he was not one of these highfalutin type, you know, uh, you know, elitist type preachers that you might think of. But he wasn't like that. He's the most humble man I've ever met. And when I was around him, I used to always wonder, you know, is this guy an angel or is he really a man? Because I just, I found no fault in him. He he had a great temperament, great disposition, but he had an ability. He was a storyteller, and he he had a great ability to 
to take things and and to to make them relevant. And and I mean, he could pick you up and take you there with his stories, put you right there. And whenever he would preach, <clears throat> he had an angle. He had some kind of a gift. I don't know what it was, but it was. He could come at the scriptures from an angle and make you think about things in that scripture that you'd never seen before. And he could just pull it up out of there. He could mine it out of there. He could get that gold out of them veins mm. and put it in your pocket. You know, that's just the ability that he had. <clears throat> so I admired that. And I think a lot of times the things that we admire is what we aim for. And that's why, you know, one of, one of the things I've said this, you probably heard me say it before, but Pat, I prayed with him every night for, oh, for years without missing a night. My mother had to work at night. My dad lived when I was 12. So I was with pastor every night and uh, still lived at home. My mother, you know, and still went to school and everything, but I was with him every night in midnight prayer meetings. But from 1130 to 12 o'clock at night, he would lay in the floor in the dark and tell stories, tell preacher stories. And um, he would just lay there, take his coat off, lay there in the dark and just tell for preacher stories. And I used to sit there and listen to his preacher stories. And my heart would burn as I heard him tell about healings and deliverances and salvations and revival and prophecy, Bible, you know, he just, and it just, my heart would burn. And I used to think, Oh my God, you know, will I ever mm. have any kind of stories like this? Will I ever have my own stories? You know, I, I just didn't think that I'd ever have any stories like that. I didn't think I'd ever, you know, rise to the level of what he was saying, but I wanted, you know, I really yearned for it. So I think a lot of times that God will put us with people <clears throat> that's going to mentor us to become basically who they are. You know, mm. what you admire is what you're going to aspire to. Yeah. Well, you know, I yeah, I, I was the, the same way in a lot of uh, just like the list, sitting around listening to these um, the old preachers tell stories, and I, I always thought, dear God, I, I want to be able to do that sometime. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you, well, yeah. I think that's what's missing, Pastor, too, and a lot of these pastors today. I think that, <clears throat> you know, they're thinking about a lot of different things, but I, I believe that there's young people in their pews out there mm. in their youth group, and maybe they're not even saved yet, but there's there's people that God wants to bring into these pastors to take time with them. Because Pastor took his time every night, you know, and I was with him, and, and he'd tell these stories, and he he would pray. He taught me how to pray, you know. He taught he taught the Word every night for an hour, even after church on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. He'd teach an hour, mm-hmm. and um, he taught me how to pray. And he, you know, even in those midnight prayer meetings, we'd walk around and pray. And you know, if if I was doing something wrong in prayer, he would he would gently correct me and say, you know, you're trying to preach so you can be heard. So don't you're not preaching, you're praying now. And so the 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 guidance that he gave me, and he took the sort of took the steering wheel of my life whenever I was young and wasn't able to drive my own life, and he guided my life. So whenever I got away from him one day, you know, I, I knew the ropes and I, I had learned a lot under him, and I still had a lot to learn, and I still have a lot to learn. <clears throat> but um, I believe that there's a lot of young people out there in our churches today that's just really dying for the pastor and the staff to spend time with them and mentor them, speak into their life, hear who they are, hear what they want, hear where they're trying to go, and help them get there. 
mm-hmm. because some of these things that I learned from him, I by the time I went to Bible college, I already knew a lot of that stuff. Pastor taught me, and I knew it, and and it was powerful, and I learned it firsthand from him, and mm-hmm. and it's still his. He died in nineteen eighty nine, but his voice still rings in my head to this day. Yeah. I can still hear clearly everything he taught me. Hmm. Let's 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 just talk a minute about uh, you know what you're saying is 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 more a, a, an Elisha to the school of the prophets more than Elijah <clears throat> to an Elisha. You know mm-hmm. it's um so you know we're challenged today with you know when you get in the pulpit and people don't know the battles that a pastor mm-hmm. or preacher is. Is, is fighting right there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's stuff going on in their churches and there's stuff going on in the world. Just like Paul said, there's trouble within and trouble without. <laughs> um, and then you, you have the pressure of people now saying you've got to preach a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, how things are Moving, I think, in a di- in a in a different direction than what really I believe God is directing us to do, and to be bold and to preach the mm-hmm. word, just like you said. You know, Doris, I mentioned her <clears throat> at the beginning of this. Doris, God used her, and she was a gracious woman. Her name was Doris Quinelli, and God used her to speak to me, but she didn't condemn me. She didn't criticize me, and. Um, and you know what? <clears throat> I changed my ministry, and, and God helped me, and I stayed there six years. And Doris eventually came back to church there and became one of my most ardent supporters. But she she never told another preacher those things. I don't think she ever told another person in my church the things that she told me. God used her to speak to me, mm. but she didn't. She wasn't a, one of these professional church critics. And so I believe that God, you know, has got people like that, that he can speak to. And and in order to preach to people today in our churches, I think there's a different caliber of people out there in our pews today than there's ever been before. People today are not really looking at the sign over the door anymore, like Assembly of God or Church of God or Baptist or whatever. They're not looking at that too much anymore. When they move to a new city, they're not necessarily looking for an Assembly of God church to go to or a Church of God church or a Baptist church. They're looking for a preacher. Hmm. They're looking for the man of God, and they're looking for a man of God that's going to tell them the truth. <clears throat> I've been saying this for a long time, Bishop. I, I've been telling this church and places where I travel, I said, the day's coming where a lot of these seeker-sensitive churches, and I'm not against them. I love them, and I love these ministers. But a lot of these seeker-sensitive churches and and these seeker-friendly pastors, people's going to start leaving their churches in major numbers, like Israel leaving Egypt. And the reason why they're going to leave is when things turn really sour in the world and things start going crazy, they're going to leave these churches, and they're going to say, I'm going to find me a man or a woman of God that will tell me the truth. I want to know what's going on. Yes, yes. And that's where we are right now. And and that's what that's what's in the society. That's what's in the church world right now. They're they're not looking for so much great singing. They're not looking for great preaching. They're looking for a man of God or a woman of God that'll say, Here's here's how it is. Mm-hmm. 
right here, here's how it is. Let me tell you what's happening. And from your perspective, which is the biblical perspective, you just lay it out for them and say, here's the problem. Here's what the Lord said about it. Here's what the apostles said about it. Here's what the prophets prophesied. And here's where we are. Here's where we stack up in regard to the coming of the Lord. And another thing is, I don't think you can talk about what's going on in the world today and and, uh, eliminate the preaching on the soon coming of Christ. You just can't do it. Yes, sir. Yeah, can you talk to us a little more about that? Because I think uh, I heard a pastor preach just the other night on heaven, and it was it was precious and it was it was great, but we don't hear a lot of of that anymore. No, we don't. And um, uh, like I said, what's happened, I think, is that uh, many ministers <clears throat> take their sermons and they scrub them down good before they preach them. Mm. They they scrub them down and they and uh, you know they they make them to where they're going to be palatable and it's going to be acceptable and they just don't put it out there as the Lord gives it to them many times but they take it and they tweak it to where it's going to be acceptable you know it's going to be nice but you know what that does is that takes the urgency of the message away and what we're not hearing today and what people wants to hear is they want to hear messages with an urgency in it. Mm -hmm. And when you take the urgency out of your preaching, it takes the urgency out of the pews. And, you know, that that scripture over there that Jesus gave, he was talking about how that, um, you know, when when, when he said, this guy said, he said, my Lord has delayed his coming. And he began to beat the men servants and the maids and the maidens and began to be drunken. The Bible says began to beat them, and it all had to do with his attitude. The goodman of the house. It all had to do. He he was waiting. The servant was waiting for his master to return, and he he said, "My lord has delayed his coming." And so, whenever he he adopted that mentality that it's been delayed, the coming has been delayed. It changed his behavior. He began to be drunken. He began to be abusive to people, began to be disrespectful to people, showed no honor to people. <clears throat> and that kind of an attitude has crept into the church today where many people will say, where is the promise of his coming? Mm-hmm. My Lord has delayed his coming. Well, then all of a sudden things begin to crop up in the church and Christians are doing things they've never done. They're drinking. They're doing all kinds of things. They're watching stuff on the Internet. It's like, are you kidding me? You, you you call yourself a Christian and you're doing this? I beg your pardon. You're deceived. And we have taken the urgency out of the message. And because of we've taken it out, you, you see people living such lax lives. And it discourages many ministers. They feel like, well, what's the use? You know, if I preach like this, they're just going to turn around and go to some other church. But that's not you're not responsible for that. Yes, sir. I believe if if preachers will get behind their pulpits and clear their throat and preach the way they're supposed to preach and be plain about it, but be caring and be loving and compassionate about it, but be bold, be plain. Uh I believe that people will come to you. That's what that's what's happening here. And I can only speak for here, you know, but uh, there's some like I told you, there's some things I do that's good. There's some things I do that, you know, I wish I had have done it or (laughs) wish I'd have done it differently. But. At least, uh, you know, people are listening because they want to hear. They're they're curious. There's, a, and and I'm going to tell you something else. As the days go by, Pastor, as the days go by, it's going to get more critical, 
and you're going to find people leaving a lot of these churches and they're going to be saying, I've got to find somebody that's going to tell me what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I pastored a, the, the great historic church there at Russellville and, you know, again, the pressure of, you know, so many people coming and um, just, but, but, but I had to preach the truth mm-hmm. and preach the word and no, no matter they came and, and, uh, and went, Mm-hmm. But uh, you can grow. You can grow a church. I'm telling you, you can by by preaching the truth. Don't, don't and you can be a Pentecostal mm-hmm. church by preaching the truth of the word. Wow, there's wow. so many things uh, that that's going on. Could you, could, it, you know, you? I want you just to just kind of take your liberty here and. Uh, what what would you say to, I mean, we have nearly 1,200 ministers. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how many will listen to this podcast, but mm-hmm. what, what would you say to us right now? <clears throat> well, number one, I don't do anything on Saturdays. I don't go fishing. I don't go to football games. I don't, I don't go to the mall. I don't take trips. I don't go anywhere. I stay before the Lord and I'm in the word, you know, all during the week, of course, in my mind, like any, any preacher's mind, you're always churning. Your mind is churning, looking for sermon material. Cause you've got to, you got to get up and stand and deliver every week. But I always reserve Saturday to, to lay low <clears throat> and to try to hear from heaven. And I may hear from heaven early, or it may be one o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning before I hear from heaven. But I got to hear from heaven before I get up and preach. And it's just like I've often said, if you feel it, they'll feel it. If you don't feel it, they'll never feel it. If you're convinced, they'll be convinced. If you're not convinced, you might as well stay home and shut your mouth. They'll never be convinced. So I try to lay before the Lord and wait before the Lord until I know that he gives me something. And I have to say that if you're really honestly, sincerely seeking the Lord, he said, if you'll seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And so I reserved that time to just do nothing but just be before the Lord. And, uh, and I have to, I have to get that information and that inspiration. And then uh, one of the things I've noticed that the Lord's doing now where my where my most effectual sermons come from is when God deals with me a lot of times as I'm coming out of my sleep. And he'll be speaking to me when I'm waking up. It's like he's already in conversation, and I'm just picking up on the conversation in my spirit. And it's, you know, I don't see him, and I don't necessarily hear a voice, but I'm here, I hear him. And he's talking. And I'll, I always sleep with a pad by my bed and a pen. And what I'll do is I'll jot down and sometime I'll get completely up out of the bed and go into to my desk and I'll, I'll go ahead and start writing out eight or 10 pages of my message right then, because while it's fresh and while it's hot in my spirit. But one of the things that I found right now is that God's given me fresh messages and it's not coming from hours of study. It's coming suddenly. It's like a download. It really feels like a download. And so whenever I stand up and deliver that, uh, it's it's really effective, uh, and people get it. There's a spirit associated with it. The spirit of God is on it. There's no doubt about it. 
it's not word. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it's not just words of a preacher. It's, it, it's, it's containers that carry something. Mm-hmm. When a preacher preaches to his audience, the anointing will travel through an electric microphone. It'll, it'll travel, travel through a sound system. If you're anointed, that anointing, that same anointing will travel through a TV camera and it'll travel through the internet. If you're really anointed when you stand up and preach, it'll touch people in other nations. Just like when they sent out handkerchiefs and aprons, hmm. there was something on those handkerchiefs and those aprons. When it touched the sick people, they jumped up and they were healed. But if there's no anointing, if there's no anointing, you can stand up there and preach to you blew around the mouth and you're not going to move many people. You've got to have the anointing of the Holy spirit. You've got hmm. to have a word from heaven. And if you have a word from heaven and God's given it to you and it's anointed, it's going to do the job. And you won't be able to take a bit of glory because you know if he didn't give it to you, you wouldn't yeah. have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I've said things and I knew it came from another world because it didn't come from me. Uh, <laughs> and I've, I've known that. Maybe just one last question. I, your time, uh, I can't tell you how I just, in my own spirit, I, I'm leaping up up and down inside um, and almost to the point of weeping uh, from what I'm hearing. Mm. Uh, I just really sense the presence of the Lord. Mm. Um, You know, we're preaching on purpose. We're not just preaching to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I I think, uh, can you just address one last thing? What, um, he said that he would confirm his words with signs following. Mm-hmm. And I think we've gotten away from that because of COVID and, you know, some of these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just that one, just, just help us wrap that up because this is really where it, where it points to you. You're preaching for a purpose, not for entertainment. Yeah. Well, you know, this coming Sunday, I'm planning on preaching a message entitled, uh, I think this will be the title, I'm not sure yet, but I'm planning on preaching a message entitled, Satan is Out to Steal Your Anointing. And um, Satan knows he can't steal your soul because, you know, salvation and the blood is strong. It's strong. I mean, it it preserves you, it keeps you. But uh, just like Satan was after Samson, the sign was in his hair. And the anointing rested on him through a sign in his hair. And as long as he had that hair on his head, and as long as that anointing was on him, nobody could conquer him. Nobody could. So the devil went about to find a way to find out where, where is this coming from and how do I, how do I get this? How, how do I take this away from him? So they found Delilah. So in a football game, you know, uh, when that quarterback releases that ball and he throws it and that receiver receives that ball, when he receives that ball, it's like, it's like a preacher on that field receiving the anointing. And the other team members need to get around the runner and they need to protect him. They need to clear the way for him. He's trying to go for a touchdown. And so they block. They're protecting him because he's carrying the anointing. I think the day has come when we have to realize that there's other people out there that's trying to carry the ball too, not just us. Mm -hmm. And we need to stop fighting each other. 
Yes, we need sir. to stop tripping each other up. We need to stop saints stealing, stealing people from other churches. We need to start working as a team, anointed team members. Sometime you're going to block. Sometime you're going to receive the ball. Sometime you're going to run. But one of the things I noticed is in watching football, and I enjoy college football, but one of the things I noticed is whenever that receiver receives that ball, a lot of times he'll put that ball under one arm and he runs with his other hand where he can block. And what that what that opposing team is trying to do, they're trying to knock that ball out of his hand. They're trying their best to, to dislodge that ball from his hand. Because if they can dislodge that ball, that stops everything. It stops everything. He's not going to be able to go through to the to the touchdown. So they're trying they're trying to get him to fumble the ball. And what what's happening now is, if there's anybody that's really interested in the things of God, they're really interested in preaching the way God wants them to preach and moving under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I promise you. Satan's going to come after you and try to knock the ball out of your hand. Hmm. He's going to try to steal your anointing. And so your anointing has everything to do with your destiny. So I've got to hang on to my anointing. I have to. You take my anointing from me, I'm not not worth hearing. Hmm. But if if I keep the anointing and I keep that touch of God on my life, it makes what I what I'm about and what I'm saying it makes it worth hearing. So, I would just say, you know, let's protect each other and let's love each other and let's try to help each other make the touchdowns, you know, yes, so sir. to speak. Yes, yeah. sir. Well, Pastor, uh, you you've um, you have blessed me today. Just honored me by uh, coming and and sharing. This has gone really, really fast, and you know I could uh, I could hold you here for a while. I know that this podcast today, this inaugural podcast, is going to impact our ministers. I believe in a significant way because there I, I do sense that anointing, yeah. and uh, I can't thank you enough. And yeah, and sure. your great assistant Wanda, what a what a blessing, <laughs> kind soul she is, yeah, as well. But but thank you, well, uh, Bishop. I've enjoyed being here, and I've, I've enjoyed talking to your ministers. And hey, listen, I am a minister, and I know how to talk to ministers, and I know how to pray for ministers and their families. And uh, ministers are my heroes. That's just the way it is. They're my heroes. And I appreciate the work you're doing. And thank you for having me today.